Well, folks, praise the wonderful name of Jesus. This is our next session that we are doing together. I want to welcome everybody, especially the new people that's joined us. Quite a few people have joined us from Facebook. And um, we just want to welcome you in Jesus' name. And we are going to bless you with some enriching revelation and material on this WhatsApp group. And I trust that you will be blessed in what you will receive and that it will cause you to grow with leaps and with bounds. Our purpose and our intent with what we share here is to liberate people from every restraint, from everything that's holding you back, from being everything that God intended you to be. Now today I'm going to share part 4 with you out of the Sons of Sovereignty course. For those of you that have missed the other three parts, I will encourage you to visit my podcast where you will find part 1, 2 and 3 and where you can listen to it and if I'm correct, you can also download it from there. I will leave the address to this podcast account just after we complete the session. Session 4 begins with discovering the heart of the Father. And the heading is, His Father embraced Him and passionately kissed Him. The prodigal son only truly came to know his father's heart the day he arrived back home. We are told that the father had seen him approaching from a distance. I'm sure he must have been a ball of nerves. What was going to happen? What would his father say? How would he respond if he found out he had wasted his life and his inheritance? He had been preparing himself for this encounter from the moment he had decided to come back home. He may have anticipated a possible lashing of words and even may have contemplated that his father could reject him as a son altogether. He had decided that he would disinherit himself from being a part of this family and ask his father if he could possibly employ him as a servant in his house. Perhaps he could tend the sheep or become a harvester of the fields. In that way, he would not be close enough to home to be an offense to his family. Suddenly, the moment was here. He saw his father approaching, running. What did this mean? Was he coming to chase him off the land? Then suddenly, his father's arms opened up wide as he approached the young man and threw his arms around him and embraced him and gave him a passionate kiss. Baffled by what had just happened and confused by his father's actions, he began stuttering as he recited what he had prepared to tell his father all along the way home. As he began speaking, the father patiently listened. After hearing what his son had to say, He lovingly smiled, calling upon his servants. His instructions was, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. 
For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. He was back home. Now I just want to take a moment here and just talk about the principle of discovering the Father's heart. You know, in religion, it's one of the most difficult things to discover because people assume who they believe God is, He really is. And in many, many ways, religion has painted a portrait of a God that if He had to look at this picture, He would not be able to recognize Himself in the picture that religion portrays Him as. There are so many things that has been misunderstood, so many things that have been taught wrong, so many beliefs that's been embedded into the hearts of people about God and who He is, that has become the standard and the norm whereby they live believing that in living that life, they are living well-pleasing to God. And if there's one thing that God desires more than anything else, it is to liberate people from the false identity and the false perceptions that they have with regards to who He is. It is to break down the strong walls of the beliefs that religion has embedded into the heart of man regarding God. He wants us to become free. He wants our eyes to be opened and the veil of religion to be lifted so that we could clearly see and perceive and understand who He truly is. And in this example that Jesus uses here, there is no clearer picture that we could hope to see or to come to understand than what He tells us in this parable, because this is exactly where we miss God. You see, this son coming back expected everything that religion would expect of how God would respond and how God would react. And yet the Father comes and surprises Him in a way that completely baffles Him. Where He should be punished, there is grace, there is love, there is restoration, there is acceptance. And there is not anything that He has to do out of His own power to find the kind of restitution that his father places upon his life and takes him and puts him right at his right hand. His father didn't say, I will forgive you provided that you're going to spend the next six months proving yourself to me. I'm going to forgive you, but you're going to have to face the consequences and you're going to have to take responsibility for what you did. And you must just remember if you come back into my house, You've already had your inheritance. You've lost it. You've squandered it. It's gone. You're not getting another cent from me. You can live here. These are the conditions. And your brother will inherit the rest of what there is to inherit. But remember, don't expect anything more. And and, 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 and that's typically what religion would have done. That's typically what a heart void of the love void of the true image and likeness of God would do. That's exactly how it would respond. 
And this is our problem. That we serve in many ways a religious God. And we've never truly come to the reality of who He is. You know, if you read the Old Testament, you find many examples of this kind of thing. There's many instances where David prays and he says, God, destroy my enemies. God, I want you to annihilate them. I want them to pay. I want them to suffer. Come down upon them and let them know that I belong to you and so on and so on. And when you compare those prayers with what Jesus prayed and with what Jesus taught in saying, forgive those that offend you. Pray for those that are against you. Love your enemies. Do not hate them. Do not pray for them to be repaid, but rather bless those that curse you. When you listen to these two kinds of prayer, then you clearly come to understand why a new dispensation had to come. Because here is this man, David, called the anointed of the Lord, and yet within him lives a heart that is indifferent to the heart of God. Now you may say to me, yes, but God said he's got a heart after his own heart. Yes, in many ways David had that heart, but he wasn't born again. He was still a man in need of salvation. He was still a man in need of restoration. And it is so clearly evident in his prayers. When he prays for the destruction of his enemies, we see that that heart is not yet being graced with the heart of the Father, being graced with the love of God. He's still a man praying from the perspective of a man, praying from the perspective of the law, an eye for an eye. And in many ways, we tend to go back to the dispensation where we live according to the same rules. Where we also say, destroy my enemies and don't you dare come up against me. I'm a child of God. Don't you dare say such a thing about me and God will hold you accountable and don't touch the anointed of the Lord and so on and so on. And we miss the heart of the Father, the heart of grace, the heart of love that says, bless those that despitefully use you. Pray for them. Love them. Don't have enemies on earth. See people as being in great need of me and allow me to reach them and to touch them through your example. If somebody wants to take something from you, give them more than what they want. Be an expression of my life and of my presence. This is the heart of the Father. This is... The heart of somebody filled with the grace and the love of God. This is the heart of somebody who has come to the place where ego has died within himself, has died, so that the beauty of who they truly have been created to be from eternity now starts manifesting their true self, their true inner self, their true image that was made after the likeness and the image of God, and we're going to touch on that just now, gets an opportunity to come forth and showcases and mirrors the glory of God 
in a dimension so far above the natural realm and the natural ways of man. God's heart is love and grace towards you and I, but also through us towards the world. And may we never forget that. The Father saw him from a distance. This tells me that God is waiting on the return of his sons with anticipation. He longs for his lost sons to come home. Filled with compassion, he embraced and kissed his son. This tells us that our Father does not care where we have been or what we have done or how badly you have failed him. He cares only about you being home. It also tells me that we are sons of God even when we are lost in our identity. Having been deceived and led astray in this world, we may have forgotten who we are, but He knows who we are. The robe, the ring, the sandals and the feast. Why was all of the above ordered? Why was a feast prepared? Listen carefully. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. When we lose our true identity and fail to live as sons of our father, we do not lose our position as his sons, but we die to our destiny. That is exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. They died as being the glory of God in the earth. They died as being his light and lost their true identity, assuming a life that was never a part of their destiny and becoming a species God never intended for them to be. They became human, of a carnal nature, serving the natural world as servants, while they were formed to reign in the earth as sons. Scripture reading, Romans 7, verse 24 to 25. Oh, what a miserable person I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God! The answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. It is through the Holy Spirit that we are found. It is through the blood of Jesus that we are bought free. Principle. Living dead. When you live your life separated from your identity and indifferent to your purpose, neglecting your destiny, you may live, but according to God, you are dead which means that God can only recognize His life in you as the Son He foreknew you to be when you are living your destiny and when your life bears the fruit of His potential that He placed within you. The robe, the sandals and the ring all speak prophetically of the new journey the young man would follow and what this new life would hold for him. 
They all serve to describe the transforming and renewing experience that would reform him to rediscover himself as the offspring of his father and to become the son his father had envisioned him as. The best robe speaks of being wrapped in the father's love, restoration. The ring spoke of reassuming the authority as a son of the household. The sandal spoke of a new journey and a new life that awaited him. For us as sons, restored to our father, these things are prophetic in the experience of the journey of rediscovering our sonship. You see, when we look at this picture and we see the original sin of this prodigal son, we find that that sin, as I said to you previously, was not in what he did. It wasn't about spending his money. It wasn't about hanging around with the wrong kinds of people and drinking and whoring around. That was not the original sin. This was not the core of the problem. The core problem was that he had walked away from his destiny. That was the original sin that he committed. And from that original sin, everything else came about. All of the drinking and the wasting and the whoring and all of these things resulted because he lost his original way. And when God looks at us, he seeks of us to live authentically. If you do not live there, you do not lose your identity as a son. What does that mean? It simply means that God does not undo the fact that you are a son that he created. It all waits for you. And this is what happened with his prodigal son. He left that life. But from the moment he left that life, he committed a sin that caused him to be dead. In other words, non-existent. Whatever you're going to do in your life now, wherever you're going to go, no matter what you achieve or accomplish, it's outside of the parameters of the life that was intended for you. So it is death. It is meaningless. There's no fruit in it. There's no purpose in it. You are unknown to your father because he can no longer recognize the life that you live now because you've left that place of being seated at his right hand. You've left your destiny. You've left that place of being the mirror and the reflection of who he made you to be and what you were supposed to carry into this world about him. You've severed that. You've lost that. And now you are a lost son of God. You know, if we can understand this principle, it will greatly assist us in how we preach the gospel and how we value other people around us. If we can understand that they are not wicked ones, that they are not sinners on their way to hell, that they are not rubbish and the scum of the earth, but that they are sons that have been so carefully planned and prepared out of the heart of God, that He formed them in love, that He predestined a life of purpose for them, and that they are simply lost in their way, that they are our brothers, 
that they have forgotten their origin. They no longer know where they're from. They've lost their way. They're living a life that they were never intended to live. They're living a lie. They've been deceived in what they are doing. And every action they take reaffirms the fact that they're living a life that is not authentic to their original design and to how God intended for them to live. Once we understand that they are brothers lost in their way, it will change the way that we approach people and view them and value them and will understand why Jesus wants us to go in and to bring people out of the darkness into the light, into the vision, into the ability to see their lives, the way that God sees them and the way that God knows them, to be able to have the scales of darkness lifted so they may look into His marvelous light, see their authentic journey, see their authentic selves and allow Him to come into their lives and to turn away from or change the entire concept of living to rethink the way they live, to reprogram themselves, to become those individuals that He made them to be, to yield themselves and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead them on this wonderful journey into true, authentic living. If we can understand the way God looks at sinners and understand that He loved sinners So much that He gave His Son. Why? Because they are lost sons. They are lost sons. They are lost sons. Individuals in whom He's invested His glory to be seen in this world, to be unfolded through them. People with a destiny. People that He made, that He formed, that He wove together in their mother's womb just as He did you. And because of that, His son Jesus was willing to go to the cross so that he may lead many sons back to their glory, back to the place of being that who God created them to be so that the Father may be glorified in them and through them, so that he may save and redeem his brothers, his brethren and bring them a renewed life, a renewed understanding of life, a renewed mindset, a change of thought, a change of understanding, a change of revelation as to who they truly are. That is our biggest purpose in life, is to bring others to that place. And in this time, God wants us to truly come to discover who we are, so that we may be able to lead others to who they are. Questionnaire. Number one. What did you learn from the prodigal son concerning God's heart pertaining to your life? Number two. What does Jesus define as death in the context of this parable? Number three. What does our Heavenly Father eagerly wait for to become a reality in our lives? Number four, explain revelation and what it accomplishes in our lives. Number five, 
explain what it means to be renewed in your mind. This brings us to the end of the first section of this module. And we will now continue into section number two and part five of the Sons of Sovereignty module number one.